good afternoon good evening welcome to today's episode of musings with jesus my name is shola i'm your host thank you for joining me i hope you're well i hope all is good with you in your world um today is the 30th of january can you believe that we are 30 days into the first month of the new year and the month ends officially next and tomorrow um february is going to be is a great month for us in nigeria i'm recording from lagos nigeria and this is our election month coming up and please just join us in prayers we need god to show up for us there's just a lot of drama going on but i think everybody knows that this election has to happen and we're all praying for a good outcome and that peace justice just reigns you know we're just hoping that things will work out the way they're supposed to according to god's purpose and you know um if this is your first time being here welcome on board this is just a place where i talk about my relationship with god and with christ um, i'm a christian and i believe that jesus christ is the lord his lord and that he was god's his god's appointed savior sent to the earth to come and die for us and he shed his blood for us he is also god he was in the beginning with god he was exactly like god was i believe that everything that the bible says about who jesus is where he came from what he was sent to this earth to do his relationship with god his deity as being god himself you know and coming back down in the like of likeness of man to come and save man and he shed his blood for us he took that blood offered it on behalf of our sin before the father and received um by that sacrifice a way of escape for us to be reconciled to, to god i believe that you know the bible one of the things that the bible teaches about is the fact that the effect that sin had upon us and to the sin of adam and how it passed on all men that you know and how men became totally depraved and couldn't even find their way back to god no matter how even if they tried or they wanted to but that the desire to sin and to do things that were wrong and self-serving was just inherent in them i i i, I agree fundamentally with that because the kind of evil that i see happening on the earth shows me very clearly i mean the kind of evil that men do people do to one another men and women you know against children innocent helpless vulnerable people it, it, it's you know this is the thing so let's get it let's 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 back let me back up a bit the way i look at it like this is if this world was supposed to be dog eats dog and we were like animals in the animal kingdom where strength you know the stronger one just kills and ravages the other ones and you are prey then we shouldn't then there shouldn't be people who feel sad when it happens it should be normal to all of us you know what i'm saying it should be a survival of the fittest and everybody understands that and um, natural selection you you eat the hungry you know the weak one we, then there should be nothing like empathy we shouldn't be compassionate we shouldn't have care but why the fact that in this same world where people where someone can commit the most heinous murder and parents can be wickedly destructive in the lives of their own children you will find a certain i mean the opposite of it other parents completely nurturing caring and loving people other people being compassionate to strangers being empathic crying you know doing everything to help people that they do not know any um they have no relationship with what that tells you is that something went wrong somewhere it's a dysfunctional world it tells you that those people that you know one something is wrong it tells you that there is a way the world was supposed to be but something is wrong 
something went wrong something went wrong and that sense of what went wrong that we are not able to understand but we know that is fundamentally wrong now even the person who does evil to others doesn't like it when evil is done to him and that for me is the litmus test for right or wrong because what I've noticed, without exception, everywhere, and this this is not just like, you know, an African thing or a Nigerian thing. I've noticed it, it's just a human thing everywhere. I've seen that, have you noticed that bullies can't, can't tolerate being bullied? Have you noticed that whether people, racists, misogynists, chauvinists, just turn that energy back at them, they can't stand it. I have never seen anyone who is nasty to people but can tolerate people being nasty to them, really. In fact, I've... No, they can't. They, as in, their level of tolerance for their own type of behavior is far lower than that than the, the, than the global average or national average. You know what I'm saying? They have no tolerance for the kind of bad energy that they throw on other people. So that means that fundamentally, you know that it is wrong. You know, your body, your spirit, your soul tells you it's wrong, but you still behave that way. You're still wired somehow to behave that way. It's, you know, it's just crazy. So I find it, I don't know if you you follow or you, you, you know, you agree with me on this, but I find it really, really strange because I'm like, there's something really went wrong. And, I, and I'm the kind of person that would always have looked for answers in this world. And which is why now that I'm in seminary, I like the fact that I'm reading about a lot of people's thinking. You know, I'm reading about ancient scholars like Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine, I'm reading philosophy, we're doing Socrates, Aristotle, everything, you know, I'm just reading what people who, great thinkers have thought about and it, it's good because it, it, it sort of like helps you think, it's almost like you are able to follow the, the logic of the thinking of people who have come before us, compare it with what my own experiences and my own observations have been even in the world of today and then also compare it to what the bible says and then sort of like form my own view I, I think it's so important for us all to be intentional about forming our own worldview because otherwise the world will shape your perspective for you your point of view unknowingly and you end up living a life that may not really be really be who you are or who you would want to be because you just you haven't you don't have enough data or information to form an independent view and i think this is what really led me back to the bible you know when i went through my personal crisis about two three years three years ago i keep saying two years but it's now like three years ago started three years ago and it was you know stuff happening that made me realize that it challenged my worldview you know my faith view actually it really did challenge it and that just made me know that not only were my foundations, my theological foundation was shaky, and there were just a lot of things I didn't, I, I didn't know, I didn't have answers for what happened to me. So they sent me back to the Bible, and I just went back into the Bible, retreated from certain spaces. God led. I went back. Thank God, I had a relationship with God, and that's why, you know, for me, I'm someone that I believe that this born again experience, Christian, the Christian experience, is not a church experience; it's a personal experience. And I think it's it's better when whether you got saved in a physical church or not, you that personal relationship with God has to be the backbone of the relationship. Because when trouble happens, you have to be able to reach God. 
there, you know, you have to talk to the God of Shola. You know what I'm saying? That's not the time to call up the God of Abraham, even though I know that's very common where I come from. Because, you know, even though, yes, I know the God of Abraham is still the same God, you know, but I'm saying he has to be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the God of Shola as well. There are certain problems that you would face in life. It needs, it's the God of Shola that will save you. You know what? And, 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 and yes, he should be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he has to become your God as well. Because at that point in time, you, you won't find Abraham. <laughs> you know, it's maybe what you're going through may not be something that Abraham went through. May not be something that Abraham, yes, the covenant still covers it. But what I'm saying is, I, I think you understand, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. You need to have that personal relationship with him. So whether you started off knowing him as the God of Abraham, wonderful. God of Isaac, even better. God of Jacob, fantastic. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, wonderful. He is that. But you need to bring it home too. And it's something that it's not something we can do by ourselves, but the Lord will help us to do that. He, it has to be personal. I, I honestly believe so. And if you look at all the disciples that jesus walked with when he was on earth they all had a personal relationship with him and their perspectives were different i mean peter was completely different from john even paul had his own personal relationship and that was his anchor it was his anchor that damascus experience and, and i think because god knew jesus knew that they needed to use paul paul needed that personal experience he needed that personal testimony i'm a firm believer in fact what I have just realized right now is that God has given me a personal testimony for my second phase of life, which began when I turned 50. Because before then, the testimony I had, which was strong in itself, was, okay, I looked, I lost my father when I was young. I was, you know, rather looking for him. The, the search for a father, the sense of loss from having lost my father, my dear beloved father who really loved me more than anyone else in the world was what led me to look for a father. I sought a father figure and I sought him and I found him in God and in Christ. That was my testimony. And it was sufficient for the first 50 years of my life. And I lived like the spoiled daughter of the Lord. But by the time I continued to behave like a child and I was just a spoiled child before God, by the time I, I needed to grow up, <laughs> yeah, I, you know. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, orphan child, um, testimony really worked for me i think it really did it, it it made me my relationship with god was father and daughter i was really like the indulgent child and he oh lord he indulged me he really indulged me i enjoyed it but it was time to grow up and i didn't want to grow up so anyway crisis came i was forced to grow up and all of a sudden that indulgent father narrative didn't couldn't fly didn't you know it, it just didn't work anymore because an indulgent father would not stand by and allow me to go through what I was going through. It was horrible. And I was like, God, where are you? You know, I thought you loved me. I thought I was one of your special people. You know, it was it was horrible. So I realized it was a real faith crisis for me. But thank God because I, I he was we still had that father relation, father-daughter relationship. So he was able to grab a hold of me and tell me to go back into the Bible. Looking back now, you know, which is why I think in 2023, I think I'll be able to give a more intuitive and reflective account of what has happened in the last two, three years because I'm no longer in it the way I was in it then. So now I can now look back. I can now review. I can assess. And, and this is really, really therapeutic and instructive for me because, 
you know, it's it's me realizing, oh my goodness, okay, this is that's what that meant. This is what you know. I'm not putting the pieces together, and I think I'm going to be able to do this throughout this year. Annabelle, so you'll be on this journey with me on this. So, thank you very much for being here. Um, so that was how, you know, so so that's how all of that happened. And so I I learned a lot, and then I I, I found out that. You know, I found out that the word of God, it just opened, God just opened my eyes to so many things and um, led me on a journey, which led me, you know, to back to so many things, found BibleProject.com on the, on the internet, which was a wonderful, 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 wonderful connect. I just thank God for that day because I then found people who, our theology was the same. They were, they were speaking about what I was reading in the Bible. But I was, you know, because I was surprised at what I was reading in the Bible. It's different from what I'm hearing when I'm in the faith circles that I have been in. And it's not that it's, 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 it's not fundamentally different, but the focus, the, in fact, it's different. But it's, it, you know, it's almost like the difference between, it's like, it's like, it's like when you are in a classroom with a, with a teacher who doesn't understand math very well. And the person is teaching it in a very disjointed way. So you hate maths or you're not getting the value of really understanding math. Not that you hate the maths, but you, you're not really, you're not able to, you don't really, you're not getting, you're not coming out, you know, with that hard nose, like really strong math understanding that you should, even though you, you, you get by somehow, but you're just not, you, 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 you're not just, you know, like if, when you take a test, you then realize that, oh my goodness. I don't know this math the way that I should. But you're, you're attending lectures, you are, you know, you're copying notes every day. Then you now go to another class and you now have a, face a teacher who not only understands math, but knows how to teach it. And the person starts from the beginning, first principles, and builds it up. A visual story, a pictorial story, applies it to life, you know, constructs the foundation in such a way that you, 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 not only that sets you up for life, you understand math so much, you are then able, because of that foundation, to go on and have an extensive career in math-based subjects, simply because of the way you were taught. And that's the difference. So, the two of them, the two classes, they are both math teachers, but the level of understanding, the ability to teach, the gift of being able to teach math, and, and I must say to you, as somebody who struggles with math, not everybody could teach me math. For you to be able to teach people, particularly people who are math challenged, it's a gift. You not only understand the math, but you have the ability to teach the math. It's a gift. It's not something you learn in school. You either have it or you don't. I come from a family of people, or at least I have an elder brother who is a math genius, but he's totally unable to teach it. I'm also married to someone who is also a math genius, completely unable to teach it. In fact, the people who I have met who can actually teach math, there are quite few. I think Khan Academy tries is, is one of the you know templates I will give for people who probably know how to teach math to people who struggle with math. Because I think I've checked out of one or two of their videos and I think they get it. I and mean, probably there's something, you know, in the Asian community in that space because they seem to have been able to crack the code of math and they understand how to teach it to very young children, which is why the children do exceptionally in math. I mean, you know, it's no longer it's, it's no longer a stereotype to say um, people from a certain part of the world, you know, are very good in math. But I think it's about how they teach the math, as opposed to how the, the, the teaching techniques that have been taught, and maybe the understanding as well. I don't know which is a chicken and egg situation. 
But anyways, I digress. The point is, that was what I found. So, that has led me on a journey. And if you're someone who has been part of this podcast, you've seen that a lot of my focus has been on, or my journey has been about learning how to read the Bible for oneself and just reading it at face value and taking what it says. Because the Bible, for the most part, is very explicit about the fundamental things. It's explicit about the fact that Jesus is Lord. It's explicit about the fact that the only way to get saved is by Jesus. It's explicit by the fact about the fact that you know the word of God is God's affirmation to him of himself and that if you read the Bible, you know, you, you should have an understanding of what God is saying. When people have problems is when you are looking for the Bible to say what it does not say. Because there is a lot that is, you know, you know. But what it says, it's very it's very clear about the fundamentals. So I, I honestly believe that you don't really need anyone to explain certain things to you in the Bible. If you read the Gospels, you're a new believer, you, you and you, you read, and you don't have a challenge with reading, you can read and understand things. Um, if you if you have it, if you do have a challenge with reading, then you may need somebody to help you you know understand. What's being said? I think getting a good Bible with a good Bible commentary can also help fill fill the gaps. And there are many around. You know, there are many of them that that have that. And there's, I think the um, the English Standard Version is 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 good. Revised Standard Version, New International Version, all those Bibles. In fact, just get any of those main Bibles that has commentary. You read those because the commentaries, therefore, they do the explanation piece. You read the Bible with the commentary, Holy Ghost in you. Um, the spirit of Christ in you, you are, you are good to go. Have a, a notebook by the side. God will, the Bible teaches itself. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's an amazing. The Bible is an amazing. It's one of the best self-explanatory manuals I have ever seen. And you know, this concept of self-teaching, I think the IT world has really revolutionized it more than ever before because in the IT world, literally, they, they tell you, I mean, you, you, you download an app and they show you how to use it. Even for people like me who are not gurus, they've, they've made it so easy. They just explain it and then, okay, you click around here and there and then you get it. So they're able to simplify all of what they've done, you know, in the back, very complex. And explain it in, in, in simple language so that anyone can literally interact with it and know what they need to do. That's exactly how the Bible is. So yes, there are the more complex texts. Yes, in the Old Testament, you have a lot of them. In the New Testament as well. Thank God there is only a few. It's only the book of Revelations that has that level of complexity. The Gospels are the most simple because it's the story of Jesus' life and his teachings. So as a Christian, I would say if you're a new Christian, for the first five years of your life, just stay in the Gospels. When you get a little bit confident, or maybe the first one or two years, you can then move into the Epistles, which is the teachings of um, the, the Apostles of Christ. Stay away from revelations if you're not ready. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Old Testament, you may go there if you want to. You know, but I, I think you really need your commentary in some of the places, particularly when you're reading the prophets. And I think when you are reading the prophets, like this is what I do. I suspend my judgment in that there are lots of things that we don't understand. They're not clear, so don't even bother. People, scholars, they have their views, but they don't even agree on anything. So you know what? But what we know is that Jesus had chose the children of Israel and they were his people and they were the race that he separated from you know the world so that they could birth the, the Messiah they had many prophets who showed of things foretold of what the things that the Lord was going to do they were the conscience of the nation helping the nation to keep 
on side with what the Lord was doing and they made sure that the word of God was always apparent to the people at that time. Remember, they didn't have a book called the Bible. So the prophets were the conscience to always make sure that the words of that were written down of the, the which which probably were in the in the prophets in the temples or synagogues at a point in time they were the ones that were con- continually re, um, replaying it to the people and saying this is what god said this is what god said this is what god said and people wrote down those writings of the prophet so now we that are living in contemporary times we have all these things written down in the bible so the bible is a, both a historical document it's also a theological document it's also god's word it affirms what god and it teaches what god says about himself it has the power to heal it has the power to save because it's a carrier of the words and the presence of god and the ministry of god from heaven to earth to men it is a, and, and i say this from a place of experience the, the word of god is powerful words generally are powerful i see how people get comforted sometimes i share things with people they receive comfort from my words that is how the word of god is but the word of god now has the power not just to transmit the comfort that is human but the comfort that is divine he has the power to transmit the 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 comfort and the healing that is divine he has the power to transmit the salvation that is also divine and Thank you, Holy Spirit, because you're, 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 pre- you're preaching now. And this is why I guess other religions, when they read the words and the writings of the men that wrote them, they do get some comfort because it is possible for humans to give comfort to one another. But there is a limit to that comfort. If the problem is spiritual, if the problem is separation from God, human words, human words written by men cannot deliver this a spiritual divine heavenly solution to, to to any problem i can provide comfort and that comfort that i give through the words if they are coming from my heart they can help someone through a difficult time depending on the situation but if it is a spiritual need that that heart needs I, there's a limit to where my words would go but if i speak the word of god the power that is in that word comes through my words i then become just a vehicle and a carrier of that which is stronger and more powerful than me it goes forth to with the power of the most high god and it does that which only the word of god can do that's how important this bible is so where am i going with all of this i'm going to the realization of the fact that i i am realizing now that the bible is the center of my faith not the church I think a lot of us have made the church, the physical church, the center of our faith. That is not it. There is no reference for that in the Bible. The word of God is the center. Because that is the only thing that has a direct link to God that is unbroken. That cannot be corrupted. We know that the physical church that we are in can be corrupted. We have seen it being corrupted. We've seen people abuse it. Even God, warned, Jesus warned us about that. There will be false teachers, there will be false prophets, there will be false brethren. So yes. But the one thing that we have as a sure and a steadfast anchor for us is this word of God. We need to hide it in our hearts. We need to keep it before our eyes. Going to church, attending services, being active in church is not a substitute for the word of God in our hearts, in our lives. 
I saw this when I faced my own personal crisis and I have learned it. It's a lesson I have learned for life. Nothing will ever make me go back to the way I was before. The word of God will be the anchor for my soul. The anchor. Jesus and the word of God. So I will go along with any congregation or gathering that keeps Jesus and the word of God at the center. But anyone that I, that I feel or I sense is not keeping Jesus at the center. I can't stay there. I may visit, but I can't stay there. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. But for my the phase of life that I am in right now, I have done enough of that churchianity thing. Now I am doing Christianity. I want to live a Christ-centered life. I do think it's necessary to be part of a congregation. And I'm, I, I would counsel everybody to do that. But I would say look for a place where Christ is at the center. Not human beings. Not men. And if you can't find one, well, I would still say if you think that you will fall, well, please. But join the congregation. Stay there. But please, keep your Bible close. Keep your Bible close. Because I see people, when they're in crisis, they're then running around looking for people to pray for them. And then you are, you are, you are, you are assuming that that person's faith is going to be able to carry you in that time. May it, may it be able to. It may not. And Jesus did not. You know, that's not necessarily the way. So yes, like I also did in my time, sometimes, sometimes you need people to pray for you. But then the point is, <laughs> let's pray that their prayer can really carry it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's pray. So I would still say, keep your Bible closed. Build your faith. Let it be that when you are asking for the prayers of the saints, it's just to show up a world that is already solid. The Bible talks about the man that builds his house upon a rock. And he, he said the person that did not build his house on a rock, when the winds came, the ruin of the house would be great. The, 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 the Bible did not say that the, the man went and was able to call people to come and help him. He said the ruin of the house. Because when the storms come, I mean, there's some kind of storm that don't even allow you time to even ask for help. Even when the help comes, if there's a foundational problem, who will, who will stop a foundational problem? So at the end of the day, we have to hear the word. The word of God has to be sown in our hearts. And it's not an overnight affair. It's not by prayer. It's by meditation. It's by reflection. It's by practice. It's by relationship with the Holy Ghost. Intimacy. Developing a love and a passion for it. Psalm 1 describes it as meditating upon it. Somebody who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates upon it day and night. Do you see any? There's nothing there that talks about. In fact, what the Bible even says, it says, it says that man is um, ble- um, he, he doesn't sit in the council of the scornful, he doesn't stand in the way of sinners, his delight. So he removes, he or she removes themselves from a certain kind of gathering or company of people, lives a life of separation somehow, and then delights, makes the word of God delight you know and, and i know what the bible says by delighting the word of the lord like me when i want to have my me time i go upstairs i get into my bed i get comfortable put on the ac and fan and then i put on my phone and then i get on twitter <laughs> that's like my you know and i start reading 
and, and I, it's like a journey to the world because I get into the conversations of people in the US, in the UK, sometimes the other parts of the world coming as well, but mostly in the English speaking parts of the world, you know. And then, you know, and then it, it's just an escape from my, from my modern world. So he's saying that in the same way I delight in catching up with the news and the conversations in the world, that's what I should be doing. I should be delighting in the world, in, in, the, in, in, in the word of God. And that's the Holy Spirit just chipping that in. Yeah, I got that. Okay. Yeah, I heard you. You know? So, where I'm going, I guess, with all of this is that, and I don't really know what I'm even meant to call this pod, um, this um, recording today's episode, but I think we just all have to be, I'm, I'm finding that there's no substitute for having a personal relationship with God and His Word. Everything starts and ends really with that. And um, I read, in, I was reading one of my theology books, and there was, um, there was this book written by one man called Tenet, and he was talking about the different types of movements, um, Christian movements happening all over the world. And he talked about this concept of the churchless um, church, churchless Christians in India. And I was fascinated with that. I was like, whoa. Because honestly, when I look at the New Testament and how efficient and effective that church was, I I almost think that I, I I think I think Christianity probably works best when it is community based and you know and it's households and just a loose movement of people who's who are just living Christ out in their lives and at the community level. This whole mega church, big church thing, I, I don't think it yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, maybe we need to have different everything coexisting side by side. But I, 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 I honestly think that if Old Testament model, I think is more effective for 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 actually doing the gospel in the scriptural way. It's it, it's instructive that God never told the apostles to set up a temple, build a church, and all of that. Although I mean, probably the opportunity wasn't there then for that, but. They were operating out of houses. It's it's still to me it's still the most efficient way. That it's still you know yeah, not having a fixed place where you gather, but just you know fluid movement then is powerful. All the movements that we've seen on the earth, even the um, civic society movement that we're seeing in Nigeria, so that's 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 the way they work. Once they become institutionalized, oh my goodness, uh, corruption, decay, money, oh yeah, it's it's a downward spiral. All sorts of things that are happening. Anyway, I'll just leave it there. But what, what, why I liked reading that book I read it was about Christianity in, in contemporary, um, the contemporary world was that it made me also realize that you know God has a way. You know when the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail, God will, will look after His church. He will build His church somehow. So even when we see some of these things that you know may not necessarily be bible standard and all that god has a way of repairing them but the important thing is that for us as christians let's all make sure that we're on the right side of divine history at every point in time and the only way to do that is to stay close to the bible stay close to the word of god stay close to jesus stay close to the holy spirit stay close to the father thank you very much for listening god bless you stay lifted and have a wonderful day in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen